what can you tell us in terms of like your understanding about you know in saving and investing what is the difference between the two um well the difference between the two is well in theory number one with investing you're supposed to be making more money on top of the money you put aside so with saving all saving is theoretically just putting money aside sometimes it can gain interest but it's putting money aside for later use um right whereas investing there's a, there's a kind of interaction there is with other forces forces being the markets and so with investing it's like putting your money aside fine that's like saving but on top of that then you are investing and and putting it into an instrument or buying shares or other assets you know alternative assets like wine you know um for it to gain um to gain value on and to 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 be more than what it originally was so it's not like putting it aside or anything and gaining some kind of interest that's that's constant it's actually you know it's yeah it's putting your money to work pretty much And so how, how do you go about do, doing this? So you, as you've just explained, saving is literally just putting money aside for something that you want to do at a later stage. But when you're investing, the money is gaining interest and um, you're basically opening it up to different um, elements that are going to affect whether it grows or does not grow. So when I'm investing, what am I, what am I doing? How, how do I start the process? So let me let me break it down. So what what you, when you're investing, what you're doing is essentially is you're buying an asset um, that will hopefully grow in value, therefore growing your your money as well. Um, and so that's pretty much what investing is simplistically putting it. Um, and so these assets and investments you can make in property, you can invest in shares specifically, which is what we specialize in. Um, and like I said again, you can invest in alternative assets which like you know painting wine that kind of thing um so investing as a principle um is pretty much growing your your money through buying assets and the thing about that is that you don't usually change anything you don't have any uh as the investor you don't have any impact on that asset literally all you're doing is buying it so that at a later stage without improving it without changing it on a basic level without changing it it will improve in value and so it makes you money. So how do, um, and so, so yeah. Yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, sorry. And so when it comes to like investing in shares, what you're pretty much doing is you're just buying a portion or a piece of a company. And you know, for instance, if I start an archer company and now I'm starting to make money, you know, I'm selling archers every day. They know me from security into Johannesburg and stuff like that. 
and you want a piece of that action, um, you pretty much then will say, okay, here's some cash to help your operations. You will give me money. And then you will say, this is to improve your operations and for you to grow your revenue and stuff. But that means that I then, or that you therefore own a piece of this enterprise. And that's pretty much investing. Okay. So, I mean, who is eligible for investing? What type of person? Because, I mean, you know, young people, obviously, um, particularly in, in, in this country, besides them not being able to, you know, have jobs and all that stuff when they do, I mean, their money is quite tight. Um, it's, it's, it's very constrained and it's got a lot of things. So a lot of people opt to, to saving for things that they want to, to, to mainly to buy or things that they need to do, right? Or saving for an emergency or what the case is. But investing is not something that, you know, a lot of people think about. So why would you say investing is important, especially if you're young? What are the benefits of investment? So the benefits of investing is that you're not just leaving your money to be eaten by inflation. And so that's kind of what happens when you put it in a savings account or something. Sure, they'll tell you you're gaining interest and stuff like that. But then when you take away costs and then you factor in inflation, what you end up getting back is much less than you would have thought, right? And so with investing, on a functional level, what that does is it gives you the possibility and high chances of making more than you would have gotten in a traditional savings account or just putting it under the mattress. The aim of investing is to beat inflation and to keep your money at the very least investing keeps your money as valuable, you know, in real terms as it had been when you put it in a savings. Like if you had put it down five years ago um, at, at a minimum, but the aim of investing is to beat inflation in a big way. So, um, so that's why it's important. It's that you, your money isn't being wasted and it's not being, um, yeah, it's not being wasted as such. So that's the value in investing. And also it just, Man, money is nice, you know, building your assets and having wealth, building wealth. That's something, especially us young people, young black people, it's something we don't have access to. And so investing kind of is a new world of, you know, breaking those generational, you know, chains and, you know, improving our lives in the next generations. Just give like a quick um, explanation of how one goes about investing. Let's say, you know, I mean, from how much money would I need to start? Where should I be looking at? Um, what kind of things, you know, are the most, um, you know, interest generating types of shares to buy? Um, all that, all that type of thing. So you are like, you would treat me like I'm a first time investor and I, I, I don't know what to do. So I have this uh, amount of money. How much is, is a good amount to start with? Where uh, should I be looking and p- into putting this money? Um, what are the best performing stock, um, stocks in the market at the moment? And especially for like, you know, a millennial who's I mean, in the late 20s, early 30s, what is the best route to go about when you want to invest? So I'm going to start from the top. So where to start? And this is going to then become a shameless plug of easy equities. Is I'm always... Yeah, I would say the best place to start is, well, doing your research um, on how they work, how investments work. So 
you know, try to understand, okay, well, investing on a basic level, what it means and what it does, and then go another level in your research, then start looking, okay, what can I invest in? What kind of assets are out there, houses or stocks, you know? Um, okay, and then the next step would be to find a broker, uh, a stock broker or somewhere you can buy shares or, you know, where to actually get the shares. Um, and still, that's part of the research you can do online. Um, and we are known as being among the cheapest stockbrokers there are in the country. And so here comes Easy Equities now, where you can actually invest in shares without any minimums. And so you can literally put down five rand, you can put down two rand, you can put down one rand. Um, and the fees that we take from there are pro rata. So instead of like other traditional brokers would have said, okay, you need a minimum of 130 rand, for instance, to just start buying. Forget that the share you might buy is 30 rand only. No, you're going to need at least a minimum of 130. And so then what we ended up doing um, is that we came into the market and we said, okay, rather than doing that, there are no minimums that you require. So it's literally just down to you what you can invest and just start investing. And then in terms of where to start or like what to buy, Unfortunately, I'm not at liberty and I, I'm not allowed to tell people what to buy. Um, this is just down to licensing and compliance. But what I can say is what has worked for me is looking at shares and companies I kind of understand. So starting in like a sector that maybe I have a passion for. And so if I'm into sports, man, I'm going to see if I can invest in Sundowns, which you can't. Or I'm going to see if you can invest in Man United, which you actually can or, you know, that kind of thing, then go to like clothes, sponsorships, you know, the stuff that's around sports. And so for me, that's how it makes it interesting because this is research intensive. This is you having to go out and dig and understand the companies you want to invest in and sort of then going, okay, looking at the, you know, the, the, the window dressing of the company. So window dressing being, how much did this company make profits? Well, Man United made X amount of profits. All right, they're playing terrible football, but they're still generating money. Um, and then you look at, okay, losses, what are they spending on? What does the future look like? And all of this stuff is like publicly accessible because you know, the companies that they list have to give out information publicly. Everything has to be transparent. So, and then you start doing that and then you just go from there. Like, so I would say I've started from stuff I have an interest in or things that have made me curious, you know, fashion, you know, retailers. And then you just keep going in and digging and digging. Next thing you know, you'll find yourself like researching companies you have nothing or kind of passion for. But because, you know, now you're understanding the lingo and that, okay, these guys are making profit. What do they do? How do they make profit? And then that kind of thing. And so it's just pretty much a lot of research. And because we have the internet, which is amazing, um, it's now like, doable it's very doable to investors especially as a young person the barriers are lower now so the internet ends up being your friend and so that is where to start and then also there's like a bunch of other different kinds of things you can buy so if you're not interested in doing all that research for a specific company you can buy a group of companies at one go in a product that's called an etf or an exchange traded fund and that's kind of like going to checkers and then saying I want the Brypack kind of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Basket, maybe, or trolley. Yeah? And then they say to you, oh, okay, here are the Brypack ones. Um, it's got this and this and this inside that trolley. And then you're like, okay, one go, I'm just going to buy this. 
and then you take it home and that's sort of how an ETF works. It's a collection of individual shares and they go on according to themes. And so those themes vary. It can be a theme on mining stocks. It can be a theme on financial companies and it can be a theme on the top 40 companies, top 50 companies. It just depends on the people who made those products. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much where you would start as like a, a young person, just to use the internet and like be curious because ultimately this is your money, you know? And this is also the potential to make more money. You don't want to just like let it go to waste. Some research is needed. And yeah, talking to people as well, people who have already been in the game, you know, going on social media, hitting up uh, people or just following people who are in the industry and seeing what they're saying and talking about. That's also a fun way of of starting so yeah and so i think that answers what's it how much is a good amount with like products like easy equities there is no good amount or there is no minimum so it's any amount that you want to start with it just pretty much boils down to how much you're willing to try you know so you can try five rand you can try 10 rand and then just sort of navigate and see how it goes and yeah so that's pretty much like those four parts. Yeah. And how does, how, how does the money grow? How do, you, how do you then start building wealth from that? Is it directly proportional to the profits that whatever you have invested in is making? Or is it the longer you have left the money in, in, in that fund, um, then over time it accumulates interest? How, how does the um the, the accumulation of the money on that investment grow so it's it's a bit of both it's yeah the longer you leave it in they, they they say the professionals say the better and then number two it's proportional to how much you buy so if you go to like i'm gonna go back to food because that's the only thing that makes sense to me is that if i'm buying like a case of water right and it's, it's a six pack um and then I take one of the you know, bottles of water and, okay, this bottle of water, let's say it's 10 rand, and I've just got the one bottle. The hope is that this bottle, this piece, and I'm using it for a piece in the company now, that this bottle will end up increasing in value by itself because of how the company has performed, uh, because more people are buying the bottles or the shares and stuff. And then, so if I bought it for 10 Rand, I'm hoping then sometime five to 10 years, I can sell that for 35 Rand, for instance. And so that's how investing works. It's like based on the proportion and the company performs well, the whole crate itself will increase in value, but also your share obviously increases in value. I see. And, and what would you say, I mean, in your experience um, dealing with people, but main, mainly looking at young people, what would you say sort of puts young people off um, from in, investing? Why does it seem like a complicated thing to get into? Why is it not out there enough? Number one, people obviously think that it's, it costs a lot of money. If you're buying, hey, you know, shares like has that, connotation when you hear of shares someone's got shares in company you think, okay this is big money you know and so you start thinking and plus traditions in this industry was that you did need quite some money to actually play in this space so it is that it's it's a mix of tradition and perception which fine easy equities is done away with so that's one thing 
And another thing is, like I had mentioned, the research slash education part of it. I think people honestly end up getting put off by how much understanding they need to do. A lot of people would rather just, okay, you know, let someone who's professional handle this rather than try and get out themselves. And to be honest, that kind of sucks because this is your money. Uh, A professional is never going to be as invested in your money as much as you are. And so, um, well, sometimes they are, but most times they're not. So um, that's the thing about about people is is that they would much rather let a professional handle their finances and handle the investing for them. And so that's also been the other thing about investing that has put off young people. And then number three, this is just economics. It's that there's no jobs in South Africa. There's no jobs, there's no money. And so um, if your responsibilities are such that you need to be liquid, you need to have like your, your money on hand, you need to be able to access your money quickly, like now, for instance, then investing can also just kind of put you off because it does require com- commitment. And so it's, it's, a, it's a variety of factors, but some in control are that they are in young people's control and some not really like the economic factors. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I think, you know, I mean, since I've become um, 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 accustomed to you know, what, your, what Easy Equities is about and just from seeing your interactions, you know, with, with people, how would you say the knowledge of, you know, the importance of investing money and, and you know, buying shares has sort of like intrigued young people? Are you, are you finding a lot of people are receptive to it because you guys have made it easy, as you say? um and like how has it how has its um popularity grown um over the years um yeah young people are so receptive to it right now obviously not as fast as we would like because we know there's millions of south african youth but obviously we understand like the what we call the reality of the country and stuff um and people do not have access to you know phones as much as we would like but not access to internet which is things that you would require you know to invest in this day and age. So fine, you know, there's those things that hold it back, but at the same time, the popularity has been insane. Like for instance, when I started at Easy Equities in 2017, like beginning 2017, I was only speaking to about a maximum 50,000 clients, you know? And this is like, that means 50,000, which is a lot of people still, right? That's a lot. And now it's a lot of people, but now it's half a million. And that's like in a space of three years. So investing has become like such a big thing and it's not just on Twitter or social media, it's becoming like a real growing thing and it's good for business. And, but we need to also now be able to educate people in a way that, you know, you don't need, you, you can't uh, handhold everyone because it's 500,000 people, different needs, realities. So part of that is growing our resources and trying to educate people on investing and how to invest and stuff like that. But it's so popular now. It's massive. Now. So I, I'm interested in, okay, once you've done your background research as a potential, you know, um, investor and you sort of have an idea of which stocks you want to be buying in and you contact a broker, 
what is going forward? What is the relationship like between a, a client and a broker? What am I supposed to do? Once I've said, okay, cool, I'm coming in, let's say, with a thousand rand, right? I've, I've noticed that I, you know, I'm interested in these companies and I'd like to maybe spread the money out in these different ways. So what do you say to someone like that? And going forward, how do you monitor the growth of, of the money? So how does the actual process work? So in like those, um, so with our particular stockbroker or investment companies that we do not cater to each individual. So what happens is it's like a, what do you call this? It's like a supermarket. We can't tell you, we can facilitate a transaction as in, you know, have marketing material. We can have people at the tills or people, you know, helping you, but we can't tell you what you need to buy. We can't tell you, um, what's a better product, what's not a better product, you know? And that's just how it is with this broker. But I guess with other brokers, with uh, advisors, then, you know, you would be able to call them and tell them, look, I'm looking into this company and they would be able to tell you, look for your, for the way your finances are or the kind of risk that you're willing to take or not willing to take. I would advise A instead of B. And, you know, there's that kind of relationship. But like in our case, um, it's pretty much just like up to you and you have to monitor your own growth because what we have is we've got a platform that it's easy to log into. It's like a social media. It's got a username and a password and then you log into it and you are able to track on the screen how your investments are doing. Whether you invested in Capitech, Sasol, Purple Group, whatever, it shows you like on the home screen, okay, this is doing this, this is doing this. And then it will also tell you overall, this is how your portfolio has performed. So it's now all digital and it's in your hands. literally. So That's very interesting. That's very interesting. I just wanted to talk about how, you know, the, with the economy, right. And how things are looking. Does it affect the overall performance um, of the stock market? And I, I guess I'm trying to get into like, you know, the whole perception that, you know, people may be afraid to invest because things are not going well economically or per they perceive that things are not going well. So how are the markets um, as a result affected by how the economy is doing? Um, so you, the markets are typically uh, hit badly because of what happens economically. And we've actually seen that also in our case. Um, but funny enough, Every time there's like a easing of lockdown, you'll see in like some in a short amount of time, the market shoots back up. Um, so yeah, the market does depend on the economy. And sometimes there's like rare instances where you would think, okay, it's going to be a bad hit, but then you're like, okay, this is not that bad, you know? So that must mean that the corporations have adapted to COVID or, you know, they're doing something innovating. So tech stocks, for instance, they will end up doing well because tech companies are usually can handle this kind of pressure, you know, from working from home and stuff like that. And then you'll find another sector like mining, but they didn't get hit bad also. But you'll find like another sector, let's say like retail, that kind of suffers because now obviously there's lockdown, not enough people are buying. If not enough people are buying, then that stock's going to do well. If not enough money is circulating, then a whole sector is going to be, you know, worse off. Mm. And so, um, so you'll find instances like that, but then in a point, they will balance each other out because okay 
retail is bad, tech has been good. The market overall might just be like flat or like, you know, balanced, or it will be worse, but not as bad. And yeah, so there's instances like that. And during COVID, it's been, it's been weird, but it picked up, I think, around June. It picked back up around June and people are, are investing. And funny enough, Easy Equities itself saw like spikes in registrations, I think because people are home and they're not doing anything, so they've got time. But we, as soon as COVID hit and lockdown was in effect, I think we saw some of our biggest month-to-month numbers since inception. So Wow. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like weird. It's hard to tell. I mean, you can chalk it up to it being people being at home and stuff, but you couldn't have predicted it kind of. A, I couldn't have. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. The markets you can't really predict and people's behaviors, which inform the markets, are also hard to predict. Would you say South Africa's um, um, stock market industry is quite volatile or stable? Because um, I ask this because I, I know it attracts you know a lot of investors, and so I'm mm. curious to find out you know what does it look like? What is so interesting about it? And potentially this is for someone who's been thinking about it, and perhaps you know. Um, reading along the lines, you know, may, maybe it's not worth it. What, why, would you, why would you encourage a young person to, to, to invest in the South African stock market? So the thing is about South African um, markets is that they're not as sophisticated as the international ones, the developed ones. Um, so you will find that because it's not as sophisticated, buying shares is, firstly, you don't have the same variety of shares. Okay, fine. You don't have the same number or variety, and you will find that you don't have the same ease of transacting because there's not enough participants. So, for instance, what I mean by that is, if I hold a share in a very rare company that not many people know about and not many people are buying, and I'll buy the share for like twenty-five bucks maybe two years ago, and now you want to buy the share at twenty-five bucks, chances are I'm not going to sell it to you for 25 because I want to make more on it. And so it becomes hard to find someone who's willing to meet my price. You know what I mean? And so that is kind of a friction point in sort of less developed markets. And so overseas, man, it, it all happens super quick or in the US, it's super quick, more options, more variety, more sophistication. So there's that to consider. And also a lot of time you see way more profit. But the South African markets, I appreciate them because I think I understand companies here more than international ones, personally. You know, like I can go to the store and see, oh man, they've closed another pick and pay. What's going on, you know? Or I can see they've taken off Tresemme off the shelves and stuff. And, you know, I can then have that inform my decision. Um, Also, I would understand the economics in the country. So mining, things that happen in mining, I'm more likely to understand the regulations and stuff like that in mining and our industries than I am in international ones so it's things like that and also just like you know i can't say what you should do so it's always good to have a balance i think diversify you know so if stuff goes weird here in south africa for whatever reason the meteorite hits this country somehow you survive at least your investments overseas <laughs> will be fine and flourishing you know what i mean and so you know you can be ashy and stuff and then like things are going bad here but they're going good there so it's good to diversify 
And why do you invest? Like personally, what has that like done for you? Um, because I think a lot of people, you know, are interested in knowing what is the value in for me. And I, I mean, it's clear in the long run, you, you, you have money, you've built wealth and it's kind of like passive income, so to speak. So it's not money that you necessarily have to labor for, but I mean, what, what, what benefit overall does, does, does it give you in, in your experience? In my experience. So it's investing is just, um, it's a practice in wealth, not even practice, it's wealth building. So that's so for someone who's like, who wants to build something bigger than myself and for my future and kids that I don't have yet and stuff like that. I therefore invest, you know? Um, so that's the thing for me. It's, I wouldn't want to leave the future generation in the same or worse off position than I was. So that's the real value in me investing. But also, um, also it's, it's kind of fun actually, like when you end up doing it, cause it's like so easy now it's on your phone and stuff and you see your money fluctuate, you go up and down and you make money on the good business decisions of other people, which is great, I think. Um, and so that's for me personally. And there's this thing called a tax-free savings account, by the way, which literally means that it's, uh, it's tax-free. So the interest you make on a tax-free savings account, the dividends you make, um, and the profits you make, without a, and there's no cap to it, is that they will not be taxed. But granted, government gives you a limit on how much you can fund your tax-free savings account. So a yearly limit is 36,000 rent now. You can't breach that limit, otherwise you'll be penalized or whatever. But that 36,000 rand per year that you put into a tax-free savings account, you can invest it in ETFs, which we talked about earlier. And then you invest it in an ETF and the dividends you receive and the uh, profits you make without limits is not taxed, which is nice, you know, because they saw as taxes, a lot of stuff, including your investments. But in a tax-free savings environment, it's not taxed. So that's like perfect. So that's why, that's why I invest in. And for me, that's, that's what I look to invest in. That's my first priority. That's the tax-free savings account. So, yeah. And how quickly does one see returns or, you know, or profits from an investment? Um, how, how does that work? Like, I know a lot of people talk about, you, know, you have to play the long game and whatever. And so when you're monitoring that, 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 um, that chart, of you know where your money is going, how much you've gained, how much you've lost. How does one start seeing real numbers or whatever their target is in terms of investment? Um, so it's very possible to see um, like a profit and gain by the next day, by the next hour, because of how fast the stock markets are. So you know, let's say now, now, like you buy a share for twenty-five rand, and then. You close your app, you open it again, and then you see on your app it says it has increased by one or ten percent, whatever, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? It's possible. So that is theoretically possible, and obviously it does happen. Um, and the inverse of that also can happen is that you can see a loss that it's going down, you know what I mean? Like in the next seconds or minutes, whatever. And so theoretically, you can start seeing profit immediately, like in your investments. But obviously, they always the professionals will tell you it's a long game. You know, it's a five and ten year plan, and also SARS taxes you accordingly. So if you invest now and you sell something now, like they view you as a trader or a speculator, and that carries more tax. 
Whereas if you're an investor and you've held a stock for, and they give a broad outline and then they say, broadly speaking, we're looking at a three-year horizon. And so if you buy something and you hold it for three years, they won't tax you as heavily as you would have if you bought something now and sold it now. So um, that's how the profit kind of looks and works in your investments. And you just have to be sort of aware of those kind of things that can get you. But beyond that, it's kind of like down to you. Okay? Like if you don't care about how much they tax you as a speculator, then you can literally, if you want, you can just buy a share now, watch it grow, watch it grow, and then two months down the line, tomorrow, whenever, you just sell it and take whatever profit from that thing, from the check. So it's up to you. How would you say this, you know, goes about sort of like improving um, people's financial futures um, that is investing, that is. And how do you, how do you think one can use um, easy equities as a platform or just investing as a way of life to mm. sort of, you know, have secure their, their, their future um, financially? The thing about easy equities um, is that it's designed for young people. And that's why it has like no minimums. Um, it's like meant for young people because you know us we don't have we don't have money like that and so um, what that does is it gets you into a practice of at least putting money aside and having it do something instead of just consuming so it it, it gets you into the habit of seeing life and seeing your finances instead of something being that needs to be consumed it's something that can be grown and yeah that can be grown um yeah grown is the right word so something that can be grown and also num the other thing about easy equities is that it puts you into a frame of okay what fine these are stock market investments and this is it's making me this kind of money and stuff but what else is out there that i can invest in you know and then now you're actively in a, a space mentally of you know having your money not just be consumed you're actually like actively looking for opportunities to grow your money and that that ends up like that's that's a for me there's no i can't like no one can justify to me that that's a bad thing that someone makes more money on money especially for like young people um because yeah there's no way like to me it, it would make sense to look at it in a bad way more money is great i think especially if you're saving it for future generations and for the long term so that's what investing is good or easy equities. That's why easy equities works for young people. And that's the hope. And since you started in investing, I mean, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, you, you are thinking about your future and how, how would you say it uh, sort of has helped you in perceiving money for one and how mm. to grow it? How has it helped you sort of relook or perceive the idea of, of money and how it works? Um, it's, well, in a sense, I'd say it's shifted my, my sense of like money just being something that needs to be consumed. Um, or let me rather say, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes also with my investments as well. So for instance, earlier in the days, so back, this was 2017, end of 2017, and Steinhoff happened, and I wasn't invested in Steinhoff before. But when the news was trickling out, I thought, okay, I could catch an opportunity here. 
and invest in something that has dropped in value because you know the pros are telling me that no this thing is going to pick up this is just a minor thing the ceo quit doesn't mean so you know you saw the share price drop and you're like ah okay sweet i'm gonna buy it cheap and then when it picks back up i'm gonna sell it high and then and that's how i got greedy because it did actually happen it went i picked up a bit and then i sold it speculating more tax whatever and then i was like ah okay cool you know i've made like a decent chunk of money here but then i got greedy and followed the same thing again and then next thing you know, the chairman quit. And then it really became this big thing, problem that happened. And so what it did for me was it taught me a lesson of greed and understanding my character, you know. Um, firstly, try not to be greedy. But if you are greedy and you are prone <laughs> to stuff, <laughs> and you're prone to stuff like that, just know when stop, you know. Like, so I had to get burnt in order to learn that, okay, that wasn't cool. And, you know, it hurts losing losing quite a bit of money so then it makes you more serious about it it makes you more disciplined so part of like being burnt you know kind of actually helped me grow and take money seriously yeah so that's how it's helped me personally it's it's made me realize okay it's not a just a get rich kind of thing guaranteed money it's a thing that you have to kind of you have to enjoy doing it, but also you have to kind of like realize that, okay, this is, there's serious implications here and this is my money, you know, and it's in my hands and, and, but also there's no better feeling than me losing my own money because I'd hate it if I gave and trusted someone else with my money and they made that decision and then now my money's gone. You know, that's the worst feeling ever. Mm. So, yeah, so it's made me feel more empowered. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, to, just to quickly differentiate, so Easy Equities allows people to manage their own money. So you're not dealing with a broker that is going to be consulting on your behalf. You make the decisions for yourself. 110% correct. So there's no one making the decision for you. Although we do give you resources and, and say, oh, um, an, an analyst has said this and we have research from different analysts and then they come back and say, I, I perceive Sasol as a buy because X, Y, Z. And we share that with our community. But there is no broker. There's no one on the other side saying this is a good investment or this is a bad investment. It's literally just down to you. And, oh, um, wait. I am interested. Wait. I am interested. Do people get rich from investing uh, money? Is, 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 it, is it the... Because here's, the, here's the, another uh, perhaps a myth. Is that it is... It is a long game. Investing is a long game, but it's also an easy way to acquire wealth. How true is that? Mm. It's, so it's easy in the sense that there isn't, it, it's, it's fast. So it's not like property, which I want to talk about actually just now. Okay. It's not like when you, buy, when you buy property and you have a long ass process to go through and it's like, you know, transfer deeds, you know, documents and what, what, and then it's finding your name and then you have to find people to rent it. You know, that kind of thing. So it's not like, it's not like that because it's like quick and it's easy, but it is, uh, uh, it does generate wealth. Um, most famous investor being Warren Buffett. Um, he's a billionaire and all he did pretty much was, um, when he got started was to invest in different companies. And now he's got obviously a company that's so focused is to invest in other companies. But the point is, it's made him richer than what he had started as. And yeah, that's what investing does. It doesn't, it's not something where like, 
and yo, I don't know if it's ever happened where I can put one rand. It's not like lotto. You know what I mean? It's something that you that that grows on what you have. So you need to have some money in order to grow it. And the point so, about yeah, property, yeah. And the point no, about so property so that you wanted to make. So um, with property, so now Easy Equities just released a new platform called Easy Properties. So Easy Equities are focused just on the markets and stocks. Yeah? And then we decided to venture into the real estate side. And now we've got a platform which allows people to invest in fractions of property. Um, and so just like how in Easy Equities, you can invest in a fraction of a share. Because, you know, some shares will be like 2,000 rand. And some of us don't have 2,000 rand. So you can buy a fraction of that share. Um, same easy properties the sister company now lets you buy a fraction of a property that we would have listed on the platform and instead of having to like go out and buy it yourself find renters do all of that admin you get the economic benefit of having invested in that building for instance so it's a new platform and i think people should check it out is it does it work the same way as um the easy equities uh, platform where you are you basically have um an online platform where you monitor um the growth of your or your investment 100 percent. so it's all online and you monitor it on the actual platform so yeah it happens online it's digital and then you can see the actual growth value in your property awesome before we close off i just wanted to ask i mean what are the pitfalls or things that people should um you know sort of watch out um or be careful of when investing especially if you're a first-time investor so i'll start from the external stuff and so externally a pitfall is we've been seeing as easy equities and investing has started growing in the whatever sphere like you know in south africans minds we've seen also now scams also have been growing in that sense. So externally, people will then go, um, Sisipo, please give me, not please, Sisipo, I, I, I'm an investor and I can grow your cash 50 times in the next two weeks. Uh, it sounds too good to be true because it is too good to be true. So chances are it's a Ponzi scheme of some kind or it's some kind of scam where they're going to take your money and just run off. And it happens a lot, actually. Or not a lot. It happens quite often enough that we're seeing it's too many people for our own comfort are falling for this kind of thing and so then pitfalls to so a way to avoid that is um yeah if it's too good to be true chances are it is um trusting individuals with your savings with your money is like also weird territory so it's usually the victims of these things are people who haven't had like a, a kind of access or haven't seen or don't quite understand how you know things like this work. So it's easy to, not easy to get scammed, but it does happen for you to get scammed. I think if you're young and you know tech, for it, that's what I'm trying to get at, is that chances are you're like, not going to be taken by this. But a lot of our parents, a lot of people in the rurals, they get taken by it too often. And so that's the unfortunate thing. And then sometimes they'll use our name, it's just a copy and paste of logos that they took from the website or whatever, or someone's screenshotted created a group and said, you know what I mean? You know, so weird things like that. So just always be careful about stuff like that. And then always check if, if some entity is telling you that they're an investment or some kind of financial company, check the FSP number. So that's all companies, all financial companies are supposed to tell you the FSP number. 
So if you just look on the websites and pictures and stuff, it will say FSP number what, 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 what. And then you can verify that if it's them by going to the uh, FSCA website. So you go to that website and then they just pretty much, you can just put in the FSP number you saw into a search bar and then it will tell you, okay, this is the actual company we have here. And then you just check, okay, this is the company then. Fine, I can trust it, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, so just always, that's the external side. And then internally is pitfalls is greed, if you like me. Uh, that's personally one pitfall I've come across. If you end up being greedy and you think, you know, you can outsmart this or that, you know, it wouldn't happen to you. Or, you know, like just being greedy is like a, a bad mistake. You need to have like a kind of patience and a kind of like discipline with money. And so obviously this like grows it, you know, platforms like Easy Equities help you develop that resistance. Mm. And lastly, is in your experience, is there ever a time where investing does not yield um, any profit or returns to an investor? Is there ever a time where investment, you're like, this is not worth it? And if so, in what situation would that be in? Yeah, it's happened. So, for instance, like in my Steinhoff case, for one. Um, also, number two, I've had individual investments and individual companies where I was like, I bought it at the wrong time when everyone else was buying in and then it started to dip and I was not seeing profit. So it does happen that you will not, you don't necessarily get profit right off the bat, number one. Number two, you don't get it right off the bat on every company. Some companies are just duds and it is what it is. That's why you have to diversify. You can't put all your eggs in one basket because, yeah, it's just spreading your risk. Um, so you should diversify. And um, so it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. But also I've only been investing for like three years now. And so now I'm seeing like healthy amount of profit rate. But at the same time, it could have been more if there wasn't COVID, for instance. That's, that is, it is what it is that's out of our control as investors and as a company. But um, yeah, so it does happen. You are at the mercy of the market. So it does happen that you invest in something and it doesn't go up. So that's why you should diversify. And what does diversifying mean? It means that you put in, in different uh, stocks at different companies. Exactly. So it means you're not buying just one company, you've got 50,000 here and then you just put all of it in like Sasol or something. No, if Sasol then something goes bad at Sasol, all your money is gone. So what uh, diversifying means is just then putting a bit here, a bit there, you know, going across sectors, going to like international markets, US stocks. You know, that's what diversifying means. It's just, uh, yeah, you know, spreading the money.